0: This is a Soulfire production. All right, you cool cats and kittens, welcome back to Get Psyched. Bryn Marhefka is joining me today, and it is delicious. Bryn is a female embodiment sex coach extraordinaire and is bringing the heat in today's episode. Bren and I originally connected via Instagram, which is probably one of the only reasons I like social media, and we talk about the sacred sisterhood that can actually be forged on social media platforms if you call that kind of energy in. We also go into orgasmic manifestation, we go into owning your orgasm, changing the patterns that you have around sex, and really starting to build new narratives around what we want as women, as men, as whatever we identify as in sex and relationships. So I'm so excited for you guys to hear today's episode. I have linked all the ways to get a hold of Bryn in the show notes, and your girl loves it when you slide into that DM. So go ahead, hit her up, and while you're on Instagram, head on over to the Reels section of my page so you can check out all of the excerpts from other shows that might tickle your fancy. Enjoy the show. Well, Brynn, thank you so, so much for coming and giving me your time and your space and your energy to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. I know that I have been following your journey on Instagram. I think that's the coolest part about social media is that you have friends all over the world now that I'm so excited to hopefully one day hug in person, (laughs) but I wanted to just kind of start with maybe having you introduce yourself to the audience for people who don't know you and what you're doing and what's going on.
1: Totally. Thank you for having me. I'm super psyched (laughs) to be here. And yeah, I can't even tell you how many Instagram sisters I have recently bonded with. So it feels good to add another one to that list. Um, so yes, my name's Bryn. I am a sex love and embodiment coach. And so I really help and take pleasure in helping women to discover who they are as sexual beings and in that process, really returning back to their body. So coming home, learning about their turn on, learning about what lights them up and what turns them on in all aspects of life, right? Not just in the bedroom, but how can you create a life that really lights you up from the inside out? And part of that, a big bucket of mine that I went so long without really diving into is is your sexuality and what you enjoy in the bedroom. And so I love helping women go through that process. And like so many of us, they say you teach what you yourself need to learn. And that's really how I started this journey myself is because sex was a big gaping hole in my life. Unintended potentially
0: (laughs) (laughs) my dog is barking. He's like, we don't want those gaping holes in your life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's okay, buddy. (laughs) Um, He agrees. So yeah. uh, That's part of how I came to do this work myself Is I went down this journey just a few years ago and it really started to spark and bring a lot of things that were laying dormant inside of me. And once those turn ons, literally got turned on, it became really clear that this is my path. And this is where I get to help so many women continue to turn themselves on. And and I get to help myself in the process, which is great.
0: There's so much in that that I want to unpack. First, just even talking about having a sisterhood on the internet, because... The internet, for at least my experience, has not been the most friendly in general for masses of women. Mm-hmm. So I would love to talk about that and the work that you're doing, yes. but also talking about you said that your your place in this work just started a couple years ago. What started that? What sparked that? And what has it kind of morphed into now?
1: Mm. Yeah, I definitely would love to touch on the sisterhood piece because part of this work, and when I say this work learning about yourself as a woman and learning about your sexuality and what turns you on, it really does require having a tribe with you. Um, It allows you to go deeper. You get to feel more held in that experience. And life just, I think becomes more sparkly, right? When you have a really strong group of women specifically to support you. And in my unfolding and coming more into my body and more into myself, I've been able to let go of some of the the jealousy and the blocks and the I can't be her friend that used to keep me from connecting with so many women. And so in that space of really returning back to myself, it's allowed me to connect with so many dope women, women that I used to look to and think there's no way like I could ever be friends with her. And that was just my own shit coming up, keeping me in uh like essentially dulling my light because I didn't believe I was worthy of those types of friendships or that I couldn't be who they were portraying themselves to be. And once I got past that shit, now it's just like free flowing. It literally feels like once I cleared that blockage, now I'm friends with so many women where I can't even tell you how, like I enjoy getting on Instagram because it feels like I'm just like popping into people's DMS, checking on all my sisters. They're amping me up. They're like my ultimate hype women. So I make a post and I've got like 80 women jumping on there telling me how hot I look and how amazing I am. And I can't even tell you like how much that has helped me. So for anyone listening, you too can have a tribe of, of really incredible people. And it literally starts with a dm like sliding into women's dms is honestly one of my favorite things to do
0: (laughs) that's how this whole interview even came to be
1: totally hey (laughs) i like you and thank god for the internet because now i can like you and we can connect and yeah have conversations
0: how did you start to remove that blockage or get through some of those stories that you weren't like these women or you couldn't be like her or she had this or that
1: It started, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but it started with me, right? It started with me really getting to love and accept all the parts of myself so that I could really feel how much I loved me first, because if I was just walking around with this fucking chip on my shoulder of like, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I can't have enough money, have that type of man, like all of these stories as I unpacked those, and I really felt into how much I fucking love myself. Then once that became more evident and clear, and I still have my moments, right? Like every human, but once I felt more confident in who I am and my value as a human, then I got to drop all of the stories around other women. So it was really this like hard look in the mirror of how much more can I sit with and love all the parts of me. And when I can do that, I can now see and honor it in other women too. So it was like, once I saw my light and my beauty, it became so much easier to reflect and be able to see that in other women.
0: Were you doing that work with a coach or a therapist Mm -hmm. or what was kind of your guide through all of that?
1: Yeah. And that kind of goes back to, to like my story and how I got into this work. Um, so I'll try to tie it all together, but, um, I, would say, like got into this work, got into this space of like taking a look at myself and starting to unpack all the shit that wasn't mine, like all of the limiting beliefs, all of the stuff mom and dad gave me. Um, I started that in like 2018 and the way it came about for me was I was married. So I was in a 10 year partnership. I met him when I was 20 years old. We were college sweethearts kind of, but not really. I was in college and met him. And um, it was definitely like a very strong attraction. Physically, we fell in lust at first. And in that process, like I followed the timeline of what I thought was normal, right? What I saw my mom do. I saw many women come before me of you find your person, you hold on to them for dear life. You get married, you have kids, you have the house and the fence and the picket yard. And the dogs and all that shit, and you'll be happy and you'll live happily ever after. So we met, got the house, got married, had the dogs, did the whole thing. We actually had a couple businesses together, like the American dream, and very fucking quickly realized how empty all of it was. Like I got all of the things that I thought I had ever wanted and felt just dead inside, like flat, emotionless. Um, no passion for life. Just like I have this picture, perfect man. We have two businesses. Everybody thinks we are like the golden couple. We have everything on paper. That should be something somebody was striving for. Like if you go off of just what society tells you is it and it wasn't. And that started the questioning of like, what the fuck else is out there? Because if this is it. And I'm 25 and I've like reached the pinnacle, I'm in fucking trouble. And so I started to question, I started to question myself. I started to question my purpose. I started to question my relationship just to honestly, the main question was like, what else is there? Like, what else is there to life? What else is there to sex? What else is there to, to uh, relationships? And in that process, i came across a man. I was at a workshop. Um, we would travel to Austin, Texas, which is so funny because I now live here. It's like, if I could go back in time and just like sit on my shoulder and be like, a lot of shit's going to shift when you start asking these questions, <laughs> If I only knew. Um, but I was at a workshop and it was a health and wellness workshop. Cause that was really my entryway into personal development. It was like, I'm going to fix my uh, exterior, I'm going to work on my health. And then that started into like biohacking and like, I take the supplement and I wear these blue blockers. And, um, so that path led me to this workshop and I'm at this workshop and I see this man, Mike Bledsoe, actually, if any of you all know, hey. who this man is. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Bledsoe is that person for so many people, which is so funny. He's definitely like the bomb dropper. Um, But I see him at this workshop. I didn't know who he was, but he had a reputation there for like being, I think, a disruptor for a lot of people in like the health and wellness space. I just saw a man who looked super chill and like totally the opposite of how I was living my life. So we were at this workshop and everyone's in business attire. And Mike, this asshole, is shirtless, he has no shoes on, he's smoking a cigarette and is like sitting in the sunshine. And I'm just like, this guy looks just so different than everybody else here. And I want that. Like, I want that level of relaxation and like no fucks that he was exuding. So I go up to him and I'm like, hey, what work have you done? That was literally my question to him. Like, what have you done? Because I want whatever it is you're serving. And he said to me, psychedelics, mushrooms specifically, and training camp for the soul. And those two things were like my launching pad into self-development and doing inner work. So training camp for the soul is a, um, it's a transformational retreat and they help you take a look at the limiting beliefs and things that were given to you by mom and dad. And it was in that unpacking that I started to see, whoa, like everything that I have created in my life has been created through this lens of all of these things that my parents gave me and fuck, I don't even want any of these things. And they've just been ruling this subconsciously, subconsciously part of my life for so long. Like, for example, one of the beliefs I've been unpacking lately has been that love is something to be earned. Like that was one of my like most deeply rooted beliefs. And of course, in that process, everything that I then did made it so that I put myself in a position where love had to be earned. And so going through that retreat, plus having my big first mushroom journey, just completely shook my world upside down to the point in which I was questioning my relationship so much with my partner that I, I, was ready to take a look and say to him, like, this isn't serving us anymore. If we aren't able to work through these things and we're not able to actually come back together in love, then I don't think this is going to serve either of our best interests anymore. And so I left the marriage and then I started to, again, just continue to work down the path of like, what's next, what else do I want to unpack? And one of the biggest challenges we had in our marriage was it was sexless. We had a really hard time connecting sexually. And so I've always been such a sexual person. It felt like a big part of me was missing for so long. So after we separated, I started to dive even deeper into sex and how those beliefs show up. And then I became a sex coach because it just lit me up so much to see where those two worlds collide. Like, how do I do the inner work and how does it play out in sex? And to me, that was like the ultimate a love child of my personal development because it was all of my favorite things coming together and helping people to be the most expressed version of themselves. So that was a really long explanation of how I got here, but (laughs) basically to sum it up, Mike Bledsoe, mushrooms, a transformational retreat, and a lot of sex work.
0: That, that's the recipe for success, guys. You can turn the podcast off the box, <laughs> and get yourself a ton of psilocybin and see what yes. happens. It's um, gonna be good time. <laughs> I think that the, like, the work around personal development for so many of us starts as fitness mm-hmm. and starts at, and arguably because of social media and what our body's supposed to look like and All of my work started very external too. And I was seeking validation from coaches, from, you know, other people telling me how much I could lift or what I could do and how impressive it was. And it became so clear so quickly that the top of that world is very lonely. If you didn't have people around you that wanted to be around you for more than just what your body looked like or what you could do. And that what's that quote about you are the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with I was doing that and realizing that I didn't want to be the sum of any of the people that I was around and started doing this same work like what's going on inside because the outside seems happy seems healthy and if you looked at my nutrition if you looked at the media that I was ingesting the inside of me was so far from healthy. Mm -hmm. And so I think that having mentors, guides, this training camp for the soul is so important for people Mm -hmm. wanting to experience this work further. Totally. When you talk about a sexless marriage, I know there's a definition for that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, And can you share with listeners what that definition is?
1: Yeah, I think it's like once every it's like 11 times per year which translates to like one time or less per month i -hmm. believe is like Mm -hmm. the definition yeah
0: And I think, you know, people, definitions are important in that sense because there's people with different desires and discrepancies there. So what one person might think is sexless and one person might not can be very different. So I think that that's super helpful. Yeah. But from going from something that was textbook definition, sexless marriage, knowing that you had this huge gaping hole, and also knowing that for a lot of women, we're not granted the permission or we're not allowed to be sexual. And if you're hypersexual when you're dating, you're a slut. And if you know, like, if I give it up too soon, he's not going to stay around. So, how did you go through this spectrum right from one mm. end to the other to be from sexless to like sex educator? How yeah, you get totally. There?
1: Um, so I love the segue actually because you didn't even realize, but it set me up perfectly because I I hired a coach. Like I knew right away this part of me. Yeah. I can read the books. I can listen to the podcast. And I wanted somebody to hold my hand through that process. I wanted community. I wanted somebody that I looked up to. Like I wanted to, I forget the way they phrased it once, but it was basically like when you invest in a coach, you are leasing that person's energy. And there was a woman that I started to follow who I now work for. Alexa Martinez, also known as that sex chick. And she just exuded confidence and confidence specifically in her sexuality, but she was doing it in such a specific way where it wasn't necessarily like over the top in what I thought sexual had to look like. Like she wasn't naked online. She wasn't like rubbing it in your face, but there was just this energy behind her. Like she knows what the fuck she's talking about. And so I invested in one of her programs and one of the first things she had us do was to start to build a relationship to our pussies and to our pleasure. And in that process, it was really rebuilding my relationship to masturbation and, in looking at some of the stories that I had around it, I was very fortunate in that I didn't have a religious upbringing that came with a lot of shame around sex because now the women I work with, I see that really often. So I'm very grateful. I didn't have that. I had almost the opposite where I was told that sex happens between a man and a woman who love each other. You can have sex, try to wait, but if you can't use a condom. So sex wasn't off the table for me. And in fact, it felt like almost like there were no boundaries around it. It was just this, i'm not going to ask you and don't tell me, but also I kind of understand that you 're going to have sex and desires, so I almost wish that I'd had somebody to share and talk to me more about those things because how it translated for me was I was very openly sexual growing up. I had my sexual debut at fourteen um, and then I proceeded to sleep with a lot of men um, from that point on up until really I found my partner um and It wasn't always coming from a good place, but I knew I loved sex. I loved pleasure. I loved the way it made my body feel. And I loved having orgasms. Like I just loved sex. And then fast forward to, like I said, being in my marriage where all of a sudden sex was this like problem area. We couldn't figure it out. We were bumping up against all of these like challenges and he wanted it more than I did. And all of a sudden I'm repulsed by him. And then we have sex and I'm feeling really dissatisfied. And it was just this like clunkiness. And so after when I left the marriage and when I hired Alexa, it was, let's just start with what I like. Like, let's just go back to who are you? What is your pussy and joy? How do you want to give yourself the pleasure that you really like before you bring this out to anybody else? And so one of the most magical moments from that journey and I don't think I've ever shared this story before. So it's, it's extra juicy, but Ooh. <laughs> this <one's for> you. <laughs> so our assignment was to self-pleasure to write a forgiveness letter first to our, and I use the word pussy because it feels really natural and easy to me, but you can use Yoni, vulva, like whatever word feels comfortable. Um, but we had to write a letter to our sacred parts, and we had to write a letter of forgiveness. And after that letter of forgiveness, we were supposed to indulge in a self pleasure session, and the bonus was to do it in front of a mirror if we felt called to. So I write this letter and it is so deeply moving, like I'm just sobbing as I realize, like how many times I've neglected this really powerful part of my body how many times I allowed her to be violated or used when she didn't want to be used or just didn't listen to her or felt there was a boundary cross. Like so many times in which I had just like felt burdened by her even like, God forbid my period comes and what a nuisance that is. Instead of looking at this part of me as like, This is the thing that will bring a child into this world. This is what gives you pleasure, like infinite amounts of pleasure. This is where like your intuition can come from. But I didn't hear all of that growing up. So I didn't know. And so I'm just releasing and it's so powerful and I'm crying. And the part that I haven't shared yet was I also had done a small amount of um, psilocybin. And so I'm just like even more dropped into my body and this is recently like after my separation. So I'm feeling like really free, really vulnerable, really raw. So I read this letter to myself and then I start to indulge in self-pleasure. So like I'm touching myself, I'm feeling how good it feels. And then I bring out the mirror and I had just orgasmed and I pull out the mirror and I just look at her and I, go through what felt like probably an hour, even though it was only a couple of minutes of just watching how I went from initially like disgust of like, I don't like what I see and I don't feel connected to you. And this part of me feels so foreign and new and then shifting that into, but she's actually glistening right now. And like, look at how beautiful she looks. and past that like initial sense of like, oof, I can't even look at you was, oh, but I actually love you. And I feel so connected to you and thank you for all that you've done for me. And we're going to have a different relationship from here on out. And it was one of the most powerful moments I've ever had as a woman of just letting myself feel the full range and really see my pussy truly so clearly, like from um, an energetic standpoint, from an emotional standpoint, from a physical standpoint, and like get, come back to love, essentially come back to this place of like, Oh, actually I got you and we're good. And we're going to totally rebuild from this point forward.
0: Wow. That's (laughs) so huge for so many people, because I mean, I know having conversations and I don't know if this comes up in your work or not, but It's almost like as soon as you are, you're open to talk about sex, you are like the sex girl, right? Like, or as Alexa, that sex chick, right? Like all of your friends, like, Oh, we're going to Lindsay's house and we're going to talk about pleasure and this and that and the other thing. And I'm totally fine being that person, but it's just funny how many of us want to explore and want to connect and want to talk about those things that don't have the permission to. Mm And, and even starting with that space of like, I'm going to find out what this means for me. And, you know, have this connection with this part of me that maybe I've never even looked at, you know, like, yeah. unless, you know I'm crazy unless it. I was in the stirrups and my gyno was like, hey, look at, you know, check this out. Yeah. There was a point in my life where I had never done that either. Totally. And so just starting with that deep knowing of yourself is so, so crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of friends I shouldn't say, it. no, a lot of friends that have had suboptimal sexual experiences. Mm-hmm. And it came with so much kind of complaining about him or her and what they were doing or what they weren't doing. And I've asked, well, did, did you ask for what you wanted? Do you know what you want? And the amount of blank stares I get in that moment is Crazy, do you mm. have that same it, I, you're nodding i 'm assuming oh you. yes, <laughs> totally
1: yeah i um that was me. I was queen of i don 't know for 30, 30 years where if you had asked me what I liked in bed, I would have just stared at you and i needed I needed my partner to just take the reins and not from like now a place of like I love dominance and submission, and that 's like a whole nother topic, but I needed him to. It was from a codependent place i needed him to know my body better than i did i needed him to just figure it out i needed him to please me and none of this was communicated and so in that getting fed up of like i'm tired of being a woman a sexual woman who doesn't know what she likes and it wasn't until i put my foot down and said i'm going to take responsibility for my pleasure i have to know what i like and that takes being willing to bump up against and play with your edges Because if you aren't, chances are you're gonna stay in that same place, same vanilla place. And don't get me wrong, vanilla is great. However, if you want to know more about your sexuality, it's gonna take trying stuff on. And so for me, that looked like investing in workshops. I went to, it was called hair pulling, spanking and choking 101. And (laughs) Cause in Austin we have workshops like that and that was like such an edge for me, right? To like go to a place where I'm paying money to talk about sex and see demos in real life. And I walked away from that workshop going, cool. I fucking love having my hair pulled, like me some choking. Like it was just such a light bulb. I'm like, okay, great. Now I know what I like or versus like going into another class where I thought I was going to be super into rope tying. I thought that sounded so appealing and so sexy and I had the opportunity to be tied and I fucking hated it. But again, had I not been willing to bump up against that edge of just permission to play, then I wouldn't have discovered that. And you don't have to go to a workshop to try this on. This was just an opportunity that I had, but it's more of what am I willing to try on in my own bedroom with my partner? If you're solo with yourself and just see like, Do you get a spark of turn on? And if so, follow it, go deeper into it, follow it and see how much more turned on can you get with this thing? Like if you change up the frequency or you change up the speed or you add another person, does it get hotter or like you try this one thing and all of a sudden you find yourself closing down. Is it because of the way that it was done? Is there an alternative in which you can try it? There's just, there's so many layers to this. Um, but it really does take willing to explore and willing to sit with the discomfort of I don't know long enough so that you are willing to say, but I'm willing to find out, but I'm willing to explore.
0: Yeah, I have an airplane flying over right now. I don't know if you can hear it. I can hear it. So you're good. are living right next to a San Diego airport. Uh huh. Um, so when you are playing – and finding I love the idea of playing for pleasure um, mm-hmm. because so many of us can make this so masculine and I mean that in the like doing sense I am yeah. going to do pleasure mm-hmm. so someone to play I mean playing is the first way we learn things as, as a kid you know mm-hmm. it's how we learn turn taking it's how mm-hmm. we learn how to be a gracious winner and loser and all of these different things and so I can't accentuate enough how important play is especially for adults because we're just children in these giant like meat sacks at the end of the day (laughs) (laughs) all of the nurturing and love and play that children need um but if you don't have like you were saying access to workshops and I know you brought up solo play or partner play how to how do you play with these edges in a safe way for people who are kind of wanting to get into this?
1: Sure. Um, So one of the first things when you say play over and over, I'm like, oh, toys, like sex toys. That's what comes to mind first is um, one of the easiest and like gateways, if you will, into more exploration is buying a wide variety of sex toys. And for me, like that was definitely my first step into at the time I didn't have a partner. I just left a marriage and yes, I had workshops and things, but I wanted access to this stuff on my own. So I invested in all different types of toys that excited me or intrigued me or even terrified me. So I bought things like nipple clamps and I bought floggers and I bought all different types of vibrators. I bought cuffs and things for bondage and I just started to play with them on my own. Like, okay, I have this toy in front of me, What's a way that I can use this that feels really good? And what's a way that I can use this that maybe is new, right? So like I have this, um, it's called the Satisfier Pro. It's a suction-based vibrator. So it's supposed to mimic um oral sex. And it feels really good when placed over the head of the clitoris. And it has this sort of like pucking, puckering motion. And one of my girlfriends said to me like, Oh, have you ever put it on your nipples? I'm like, no, but now I'm really excited to. And so literally this concept of following play, following joy, following turn on, it's really quite easy when you incorporate sex toys or it can be easier when you incorporate a toy. I think of it like working out when you buy a new outfit, you're more excited to go work out typically, at least in my experience. And that's how I feel with self-pleasure and masturbation in turn on. It's like, If I know I have five toys that I absolutely love to play with and I keep them on my nightstand, chances are, like at night, instead of turning on Netflix, I'm gonna grab a sex toy and I'm gonna have a really yummy orgasm before bed. Um, And then, one of my absolute favorite resources that is so accessible to everyone and helps you specifically in learning different techniques and strategies. He's the only person I know that is doing this type of work. Um, His name is Kenneth Play. Have you heard of Kenneth? Yeah.
0: What a great last name too.
1: (laughs) Right? (laughs) Kenneth is um, a sex hacker who teaches sex education through pornography. And so he creates these like deliciously hot pornographic style videos with real demo models. So it's not for acting like you'll see in typical pornography. He's using a woman who's receiving pleasure in a real way while demonstrating a new technique. So I wanted to learn about sporting. I don't have anybody around to help me with that. So I bought his workshop. I'm watching this on my computer from the luxury of my own bed. And I've got a toy that is helping me and I'm having a great time. I'm turned on I'm watching this video. I'm playing with myself and I'm just following the pleasure versus like trying to achieve something. So yes, even though I wanted to learn how to sport, It was still this permission to just turn this on and play and have fun. And if nothing happens, you're still leaving this like really turned on and having a great time. And also the fact that I didn't have a partner at the time, I think took some of that pressure away too, because it was just me exploring, trying new things, permission to make all sorts of weird, funny faces, different angles, like my forearm getting tired, all the things. Um, so his course is called sex hacker pro total game changer. Um, So really, really great resource to start with. Yeah. And talking about porn,
0: right? That's sex education, unfortunately, for so many people. And so Mm -hmm. to get your hands onto some sort of ethical porn or what he's producing is so important because when we go back to what we were talking about earlier with the narratives that we tell ourselves, sex should look this way. Sex is over when the man orgasms. Sex Performative. Performative. What does my face look like? Mm -hmm. All of these different things we can get really stuck in the narratives and it's really hard to break out of them, especially if what you're surrounding yourself with is this media that is what you were saying, performative, not Mm -hmm. real. You know, Mm -hmm. sex is, you said it earlier, there were times when like sex was clunky and sex was awkward. And there are times when sex is beautiful and it might look like porn, but most often it doesn't.
1: Totally, yes, absolutely. Or like my favorite is that, um, you can just come wildly from uh, penetration alone, right? Where it's like the vast majority of vulva owners need clitoral stimulation in order to have an orgasm. And so, if you only ever watch porn and learn that that's how sex is supposed to be, so many women come to me feeling broken because they can't have an orgasm when they're using penetration alone. And sometimes it's, and we, we talked about this earlier, of just being a permission slip, like, for me, just to tell another person that that is totally normal. And in fact, you're in the majority of vulva owners by not being able to pe- receive an orgasm from penetration alone. And so it does, it takes taking a look at these stories and beginning to unpack them. And then once you do that, pleasure is on the table and enjoyment and discovery, like sex is a tool for self-discovery is on the table because we're not so goal-oriented anymore.
0: So you mean the super hot pizza delivery man isn't just gonna show up to my door soon and like we're gonna have beautiful, penetrative, orgasmic sex right away?
1: <laughs> I mean, I'll leave it as a possibility because I don't <laughs> want to be down for you. Cause I want that also.
0: <laughs> awesome. One of the things that we talked about, and especially going down this conversation of personal pleasure, and something you've been talking about a lot on your channels is manifesting through masturbation. Oh, I just saw your eyes light
1: up. Tell me more. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. This is my favorite topic lately. If you had told like 24 year old me that was sitting in front of a computer, I remember. So my, my ex-husband was very goal oriented and extremely driven entrepreneur. He had two businesses. We everything we did in our lives had a spreadsheet. And when we came together, I remember he was always so like goal oriented and he would have these like really in-depth spreadsheets of by each quarter, the things he wanted to accomplish from like his physical achievements to business achievements to personal. And I remember it just fucking like sucked. The life out of me. Like I hated goal setting. And he would say like, let's do this together as a couple and you can have your own goals. And I, I just fucking hated it. I resented it. And you could not get me to sit down and just dream about what I wanted. It was so triggering for me. And I'm still not even sure part of it's probably because even the way he doing it, he was doing it had some shadow to it, of like it being so rigid and so externally driven. Um, but there was something about just the structure that I hated. And so I never pictured myself as like a goal setter or a vision, um, a someone with vision or a manifestor. Like it just wasn't in my language. Fast forward until I'm working with Alexa and she starts talking about orgasmic manifestation. And I'm like, okay, that sounds woo woo as fuck, but I'm here for it. Like, tell me what this is. And essentially the concept behind it is you're using your body's orgasmic energy to create heart, body, mind coherence so that you are bringing this thing that you are internally thinking about like into the field, into the energy field so that it becomes real and that it's able to be manifested into reality. And basically that's a lot of words for the thing that you're picturing as you come Gets to come into real life, and you get to dream about it. Like as you are bringing, arguably like one of the most powerful energies through your body, right? This orgasmic energy, this energy of pleasure, and if you're holding that while you're envisioning something that you want to call in, it is just the yummiest combo. And so, what this will look like for me is lately it's been a lot around calling in like a king, calling in a partner, and even if it's somebody like in particular that I am envisioning or just the archetype of this person, I'll bring it clearly into my mind. So I'm picturing the way they look, the way they smell, the way they're holding me, our home together, me pregnant. Like I'm picturing just the clear vision of our life together while I'm touching myself, while I'm masturbating. And so I'm in this state of just pure bliss and pleasure while dreaming about the future. And as I bring myself up to the edge and I'm actually having my orgasm, it is just like the only thing that's in my mind. And so I bring that energy literally like up from my root all the way up into my crown. And I allow it just to like move through my body. And a lot of times at the end of it, I'm either in tears, I'm smiling. Like I just feel so connected to the vision because it felt so real. And then It's just, it's like the funnest form of multitasking. It's like I get an orgasm in, I'm manifesting my dream life. um, And I've used this so many times to the point where the level of accuracy in which it has come into fruition in my life has been freakish (laughs) to the point where I'm like, "Ah, is this even ethical at this point? If I'm like envisioning this person that (laughs) I... I want to be with. So I'm like, I don't know if they're getting to opt in, but I'm envisioning it and I feel like it's going to happen now. So to me, it's just a really fun way to goal set and to manifest. And it's doing it in a way that brings the most pleasure, the most intention, and also just a totally new spin on self-pleasure. Because now I come to these sessions where I'm like, I'm excited to get in bed and to like play with myself because it means I'm also calling in all of these really cool things that I want. And that to me is just, yeah, an exciting place where even a couple years ago, masturbating was not something that I did regularly. And now it's something that is a part of my weekly practice, um, especially the orgasmic manifestation piece.
0: So I can't just gloss over how much you said that you've done this and it has happened because yeah. I so many people they're like yeah okay sick like awesome yeah, yeah. Masturbation, whatever masturbation manifestation right what things have you called in
1: mm, totally so most recently um i was i was really in a place where i just wanted to make more money like i absolutely wanted to make more money i was feeling frustrated and resentful of like, I know so fucking much. I've done so much work. I've given so much value in my life. Like I'm ready to make more money. And for a week straight, that's it. One week I committed to every day doing the orgasmic manifestation process. All the while I'm picturing like cash, just like flooding into my bank account and picturing what it looks like. I'm picturing checks and picturing the exact amount in my bank account. And fast forward to, I think it was like a Friday afternoon and Alex starts texting me who I now work for in her company. And she was like, what do you, what do you want? What do do you, what feels good for you? Like in business, is there anything that you want? I was like, yeah, I'd love to make my money. She goes, how much I tell her the next meeting we had on Monday. She said, okay, great. You have a raise and you have this exact amount. It was just like literally the most laughable and hysterical process of like, for one week, I did this practice, never mentioned it to her. She asks me how much I want to make. And literally a couple days later, I have that amount coming to me. And so I'm like, okay, coincidence. Sure. But it's a hell of a lot more fun to think that I was able to manifest that with my orgasms. <laughs> Life feels way no, more yeah. cool you get that, that way. Yeah. <laughs> That's
0: awesome. And especially because alexa was the one that had introduced this idea to you
1: right yes so it was like the ultimate interesting full circle
0: (laughs) yeah seriously Mm -hmm. so for listeners men and women alike if you could change one story that you hear come up a lot if you could Mm. bring a story to the surface and question its validity question if it's a false core belief or not surrounding Mm -hmm. sex. What is that kind of narrative that you hear come up most often for people?
1: Mm. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, So I don't know if it's like the most or the biggest one, but it's the one that's coming to me in this moment. And it's something along the lines of if you lead with sex or you have sex too early your partner will no longer be interested in you or you won't be able to have a relationship with this person. And so we withhold sex because we are afraid if we lead with sex, this person won't like us. They won't be interested. The chase won't be there. And all of a sudden we're neglecting like a really important and like pillar in a relationship because we want to withhold and make sure that this person likes us. And then we end up talking to somebody for like a fucking month, having no idea what it's like to have sex with them and then potentially realizing we're not sexually compatible, which I don't necessarily believe in, but there's something there that needs more attention and energy or roadblocks that we get to work through. And so if I could change anything, at least currently, specifically I see this believe mostly with the women that I work with, um, but I'm sure it goes both ways is, yeah, that if you have sex too early, your partner won't be interested. And it's even one that I still get to unpack where if I am almost on the opposite side where I'm like, I lead and talk about sex for a living. um, And sometimes I'm like, ooh, are they not going to want to be with me because they think I'm too forward or they're going to consider me a slut because I have pictures of my ass on my Instagram or because I'm talking about orgasms and the self-pleasure that I give myself. Um, and so it's even one that I still have to rewrite consistently. Um, but I've seen so many, this is to me that one of the fastest ways to break a story is to take action in the complete opposite, um, alignment of that belief. And so if you're terrified that having sex with somebody too early is going to have that person leave. Let's have a conversation first and foremost about that, like with the other person, go into the intimacy of like, Hey, there's something on my mind that I'd love to share with you. And I'd love to just speak this into our relationship or whatever you want to call it. If you're still dating and share, like this is coming up for me, allow them to validate the opposite to be true. Or if they affirm it, then you get to go like, okay, is that what I actually want then? Right. There's choice there. And then talking to other people where the complete opposite has been their experience. I hear from people all the time that have had beautiful relationships where sex was on the table night one. Right. Um, I know in my past relationship, it was kind of an odd coming together. We met at burning man, um, which is just like a whole nother story, but, um, our first date quote unquote, we didn't live in the same city, but our first coming together We had sex that first night and we were in a relationship for a year and a half. And so any time that story comes up for me, I get to remind myself like, it's not true. It's not true and I get to create something different. Um, So I think talking about it, speaking into whatever is coming up for you and then also seeing real life proof of the opposite being true is really validating.
0: Yeah, I think all too often we, get caught up in these narratives and we don't even know where they came from, right? why we believe it. And I did um, an episode a few weeks back just about getting curious. Like, do, does this narrative that I'm telling myself even fit me? Am I willing to try on other stories or other narratives? Am I ordering from the menu when there's an all-you-can-eat buffet? <laughs> right down the way that I'm not willing to look at. yeah. So what kind of practices do you have to kind mm-hmm. of start to identify these narratives or start to even bring conscious awareness to them? Because so often we act out of them subconsciously and we're repeating these patterns and we keep saying, oh, I'm like dating the same guy over and over and over. Why do I keep calling this in?
1: Mm.
0: And One of my favorite things to tell people is like, well, you need to take radical responsibility for why you're allowing that energy into your life what are you attracting in mm-hmm. so how do you start to bring awareness to these false core beliefs or narratives that you would like to change
1: yeah that's a, also a really great question um so yeah and i love i love like you said the following the path of um i forget how you phrased it there was something you just said that i loved and it's escaping me so i'll go back to the question um how do I unpack that for myself? It's definitely a conscious and consistent practice of asking myself, like, what do I know to be true? What do I know to be true? And, and I typically bump up against that when I'm hitting resistance. So it's almost like if I'm, if something you were just using the example of, um, like calling the same type of man in over and over. Right. Like I was doing that for a while. I kept calling in unavailable men. And so to me, that was the red flag of like, okay, this didn't just happen once. It happened multiple times. They're emotionally, physically, all the types of unavailable. And so that was my cute question. Like what is happening in this moment? Like what where do I have responsibility? And it's it's just a pause and a questioning of what is shaping this? Like What is um, the phrase I want to use? Yeah, what lens am I looking at this experience through? And I don't remember if this was before we started recording or after. So I'll just share it again. But one of the beliefs that I was able to unpack just by asking, like, what lens am I seeing this through is um, I kept Attracting men that were hard to to like receive commitments from men that were just like unavailable, men that were coming in and out, like not giving themselves fully to me, and so I kept I was asking like, what is the belief here? Like what am I seeing this lens? How am I seeing this? And the belief that came through was love has to be earned. Um, and one of the ways I was able to really like affirm that that was my lens as I started to look at where I got it from, which is something you just brought up of like, where did this even come from? Well, I looked at the way I received love from men growing up from my father. My father was unavailable for most of my childhood. He, my parents divorced. He saw us on weekends, but a lot of times would cancel. He worked consistently he would turn his phone off when he was burdened or like super busy. And I felt like I only got his love when I was achieving something in school where he could like appreciate me for it or if I looked a certain way. So like when we would come together and if I like was dolled up and I like had my hair done and makeup, he would say, like, you look really beautiful. And to me, that was like, oh, I just got dad's affection. He loves me. So I just fucking reinforced over and over, like look good, achieve, receive love. you're going to constantly have to work for it. You're never going to be able to just relax and be yourself and show up because if you do, you're not going to be seen. So multiply that for 31 years. And I was just consistently and exhaustingly manipulating all of these situations so that I could receive love. And therefore like that, that was my lens. And it wasn't until I started to go like, okay, enough is enough. I'm tired of the way this is showing up. How am I viewing this that I got to see like, oh, that was the belief. And I knew it was the belief because when I said it, it instantly made me cry. It was like this instant somatic release of like, oop, that's the one. So if you're like naming it and it isn't necessarily like pinging you, keep, keep going. Like try another one, try something on and see Typically, like when we break these beliefs and we're able to pull them up from the root, they're generational. And so if you can look at the belief and see how does this apply for my mom, my dad, like, can I see this through the lineages in my family? And it was absolutely one that showed up in my family. And it's super empowering to think like, okay, I'd love to have that stop with me. Because then all I did was. I felt it. I felt it all the way through. Like, I literally let myself take the shape of like, love is hard. Love is hard to be earned. And I went into this like full, almost like tantrum where I like curled my body up into a ball. I like felt the heaviness of that statement. I felt the sadness for my little girl and like all of the times that she was just desperate for that masculine love and kept trying to like fight her way through and have to have it. And I let myself fully touch it and it's not always as easily like said, as done, but I did. And on the other side of it was this like huge release. Um, I couldn't stop laughing, which is like another form of release. Right. And I was laughing for a couple of reasons, one, because my body felt so light, like after I gave myself permission to fully go into the feeling. But also because I was like, "Oh my God, Bren, you've made life so fucking hard for yourself." <laughs> and like, if you try on this opposite belief, I loved how you framed that of just like try a different one on. Holy shit, does everything feel a lot lighter now? Like, if men were just to love me effortlessly and freely, whoo, that feels so much more empowering in my body. And a lot of times, like, it doesn't necessarily land right away, and so. For me, I have to consistently come back to the men I desire, love me effortlessly and freely. Like anytime I feel the resistance and that old shit coming back up, I get to choose the new belief and not from a place of bypassing because I still let myself feel whatever's coming up, but I continuously have to move my body in a way where that is true. So I will like go for walks where that belief is just like running in the background of my mind and I'm just bopping up and down, um, Sixth street, walking my dog, envisioning like what would it be like if men were just like worshiping me, like bowing down, like turn it all the way up, like queen bee, fully receiving love freely. And I literally will feel the way it just opens me. Like I am more relaxed. I'm fucking smiling. I'm sure that like every part of me looks juicier and it really took me like being willing to embody it um and being willing to catch myself in some of the bullshit stories um so once you like you said once you're it's a lot of it subconscious but once you bring it to the conscious it's so much easier to catch yourself um and then also sharing it with friends like this is where tribe comes back in so i've shared this belief with girlfriends and told them like hey this is something i'm actively working on so now they have permission to Call me out if I'm attracting these like bozos again, or like remind me that love comes to me effortlessly and freely. And that's really awesome to be supported in that way. Yeah.
0: And I love that you use resistance as a learning tool because, and I'll speak from my own experience, the minute I I really had to reframe discomfort for me because we want to move into comfort. And so the minute we get pushed up against something that is resistance to use your words or something that feels funny, it's like, does it actually? is it actually bad? Is it actually uncomfortable? Or are you just seeking comfort? Are you gonna completely abandon this process because your tummy got a little tight or any of these things? And leaning into, at least what I have found, Leaning into those hard feelings, mm-hmm. they feel a whole, less, a whole lot less hard when I welcome them in. And yes. when I don't, when I'm like, mm, your presence isn't welcome here, go away. What you repress is what's going to surface oh. 100% of the time. Totally. And yes, yes. So give me, I had chills when you said that you gave yourself the permission to just embody this young girl that had to fight for love and had to like seek validation and be the perfect child and do all these things because that can be such a hard thing for people to think like, wait, I remember it was the first time like the concept of ayahuasca was brought to my attention. I was like, you want to go drink some fucking jungle juice to see your scary shit? Like to see all this, like all the things that kind of keep you up at night. Like no, no
1: thanks. Hard pass. Yeah.
0: And then you feel it, and you're like, oh, I was like, the story I told myself around this was so much bigger. Because, yeah, that was a huge deal to six year old Lindsay. But now, almost 30 year old Lindsay can go back and be like, go hold that child, go teach mm-hmm. that child something mm-hmm. new. The idea of reparenting and the fact that you're able to do that with a tool that is as powerful, like you were saying earlier, as life force energy
1: mm-hmm. is insane. Mm. <laughs> life is so fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> explore so much. Uh, so, if people want to connect with you, want to learn more about you, are now like, I need to call Brynn into my life, they're manifesting you. Yes. <laughs> <a little laughs> <guess.
1: laughs> uh, so, first and foremost would be Instagram. It's Bryn Marhefka, um, which is a mouthful. So I'm sure you'll include some sort of show notes here. Um, Bryn Marhefka. And then my website, Bryn's my middle name, but my website is carliebrin.com uh, C-A-R-L-E-E. And then my middle name, Bryn.com. Um, those would be the two best places to find me and please like slide into my DMs. It's what I'm so here for. And let's talk about sex and please orgasmically manifest me. I am so here for that.
0: <laughs> if this episode brings Brynn's king into her life, I'm going to be like, yeah. <laughs> get side <psyched laughs> to Here we go. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Brynn, thank you so much. Thank you, Lindsay. This was so great.